Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast conversation focused on relevant issues for leaders of small group ministries. Whether you are a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a lay leader or staff, we want to encourage, equip, and challenge you to thrive in your ministry context. The Small Group Network exists to inspire, inform, support, and resource one another because we are better together. Now, let's get ready for today's episode of Group Talk. Hi, welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and the small groups pastor at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. We all know that words are powerful. The words we use shapes how we think and influences how we behave, and it even affects how we feel about ourselves and others. And so as small group pastors and directors, a substantial part of our role is to communicate verbally, whether through vision casting, training, promoting, or connecting with people, or connecting through writing. Um, And I know that in all of our small group systems in our churches, we have language we use. We have common language, internal language, for a lot of different things, uh, for roles, for desired outcomes. For example, some of us call our groups community groups, cell groups, home groups, life groups, small groups, and there's probably like 20 more. Um, And each of them convey something a little different. So today we're going to explore these words that we use in small groups ministry and talk about how we can overcome some of the language barriers that those might pose uh, within our congregation and and also the unintended and intended consequences of the words we use. So after listening to this program, you might choose to reconsider some of the terms you're using, and maybe you'll change that up for the next ministry season, or even if you are using the same terms, hopefully you'll have a greater understanding of the consequences of these choices. So with me on the program today is Andrew Mason, who is a good friend of the Small Group Network and one of the sharpest minds in Small Group's ministry world. Um, and whenever I'm around Andrew, we always have lively discussions, mostly because we tend to look at things a little differently, right, Andrew? <laughs> That's right. Good to be here, Carolyn. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for being on the program. So I've been looking forward to our conversation. It's a little more abstract, but um, I think it'll be a really helpful one. A little bit about Andrew. He is the small groups pastor at Real Life Church, which is a multi-site family of churches in the Sacramento area in Northern California. And he's been in that role since 2014. And prior to that, he was in full-time ministry ministry for 10 years. Andrew's involved with the small group network. Um, he's, he used to be on our communications team and now he's continued on, on our Northern California regional um, leader. And so if you are in the Northern California area, Andrew's your guide for huddles and connecting with other small group pastors in the area. And he's done a great job with that. He's also founded uh, about five years ago in 2012, smallgroupchurches.com, which is a terrific resource for people in small groups ministry. So if you haven't checked that out, that's well worth it. There's blogs, there's videos. It's a pretty cool thing. And Andrew's not paying me to say this, so <laughs> I, I go on it. I look at stuff. Um, and Andrew's actually been on Group Talk before. He's a repeater. Um, in 2015, he had a really great um, program about how you start from the ground floor of relaunching small groups ministry after a former system has stalled or failed or just the church wants to reboot. Um, and he was new at that, newer at that church, and he was doing that himself, and he spoke very candidly about that process and things to watch out for. So you can find that in our archives. Um, it's in 2015, and I believe it's around April or so. All right, enough intro. Now, okay, Andrew, so let's jump in. And talk about how the words we use um, and the language, if you will, creates barriers in our ministry. So um, how do language barriers affect uh, ministries? How, do, how does words impact that? Yeah, and uh, first off, I just want to say hi to all the, the small group pastors, directors, leaders, hosts out there. Uh, I just, I'm honored to be in the trenches with all of you. And, uh, but yeah, just talking on this, 
this aspect of language barriers. Um, usually that, that phrase is for people speaking foreign languages or dialects, sure. but, but I want to bring it in the context of ministry language. Um, sometimes our nomenclature doesn't connect with people. Uh, see what right. I did there? Right. Uh, so, <laughs> I, so that was, the that long, really did not connect with anyone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the longer I've been in groups ministry, the more strate- strategic I've had to become with my terminology. Uh, early in my group's journey, I would tweak some wording to help people adapt to certain dynamics. But now I'm challenging myself to rethink my language in every area of small group ministry. Yeah, sometimes the language, like nomenclature, which is so old school, I love that word, um, but sometimes the, the words can be maybe too churchy or maybe in different regions. I know you've uh, pastored in across the country in, in different areas. I've noticed that there are certain words that have different weight um, and bring provoke different thoughts depending on where you live. Yeah, and it's, it's really a trial and error process of just seeing uh, people's response or lack of response. And, and it, it's, it's fascinating to watch it. Some, some words work some one place and then not work in other places. Yeah, so before we go into deep, though, is there any spiritual context, you think, for um, this exercise that we're doing? Great question. So, so let's think about Jesus for a moment. Um, despite the fact that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was, was written in Greek, Jesus, we know, uh, primarily spoke Aramaic. Right. Um, he, he did this in the towns of Nazareth and Capernaum and Galilee, and they were Aramaic-speaking communities. And so, so what I want to highlight is that Jesus chose language that would remove barriers that could obstruct people from engaging with his message. And then even if you go to a historical context, uh, I was on Wikipedia and they said as of September 2016, the full Bible has been translated into 636 languages and wow. the New Testament alone into 1,442 languages. Just within the English language alone, there's over 40 different translations. And so my point is this, despite all this diversity in wording, and we hope and pray that every version is a sound theological interpretation, <laughs> but despite all this diversity God's continued to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ around the globe to many tribes, tongues, and and nations. And so it would be naive for us to think that God is locked in to one language, one translation, one set of uh, vocabulary words uh, for him to be able to move. And uh, that, that for me, is kind of the the context for as we get into more small group ministry uh, language. Yeah, so let's dive in there. So what are some words you think are not as helpful, perhaps, in the small group movement anymore? Uh, well, definitely one that, that has, you mentioned at the top of the show, how people have cell groups and life groups and growth groups and small groups. And, and uh, I think definitely in America, we, we've had to move away from the term cell groups uh, in the English language because of the unfortunate uh, acts of terrorism and stuff like sure, that. Sure, sure terror cell networks. And, and if you say, hey, join a cell group, someone <laughs> could, oh, join a what? What, you, what kind of church is this? Um, so we've had to move away from that, even though sometimes like in, I know in Spanish, there's really there is no Spanish word for small group. They have to go with cell groups. So so in America, that's been one, um, you know, early on when I started one of the first my, my first intro- exposures to this dynamic was in trying to grow the group's ministry. Um, trying to coach my leaders not to use certain words when we were when we were multiplying groups. I told them we want to when we're multiplying a group, we use the words multiply, grow, <laughs> release, send, launch. We don't use divide. We don't <laughs> use break up. We don't use split or separate. Unhealthy churches divide and split. Okay, so here's my pet peeve word for that. Yeah, you probably guess what it is. 
birth. I'm like, oh. please let us never use that word again. But that was popular for a time. You would birth new groups. And I'm like, you know, I've, I've birthed two children. We do not want to use that term at all. So you're suggesting that a mom wouldn't get excited about birthing a new there's group. A lot okay. of, yeah, there's a lot That's of pain. Good. Well, no, it was because I was at a meeting with a bunch of guys, and they were like, well, we want to birth groups. I'm like, you have no idea what that is. But I completely agree with you. That, I mean, the image you have when you think about split or divide, it's so yeah. negative. But words like we use the word planting um, and multiplying, those are very positive words. Yeah, and, and we became, what I did is I tried to make it a joke with, within our culture is, is we, we basically called it um, cussing. If someone <laughs> said, yeah, we're, you know, it's awesome, we're, we're dividing our group, but everyone would go, hey, 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 watch your mouth. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's inappropriate, you know. It's multiply, it's grow, it's send out, it's launch. So it, it actually became a funny inside joke for us, but it really helped build a culture, and, and that was kind of my, my, my first exposure to it. And then obviously the other one, that I think we just want to cover it just to make sure we're covering the bases. Rick Warren and Steve Gladen at Saddleback have done a great job helping us with this. Is they've gone uh, from leader to host. Right. And, um, and I made this switch a few years ago uh, moving to host because not everyone considers themselves a leader. So you say, hey, we're looking for small group leaders. But, well, that's not me. I'm not a leader. Um, but it's amazing when you say host. We just need you – to have a heart for people, open your home, serve a few snacks, and and, and turn on a video, which wow, is... Wow, you act- just whipped that oh, right out. Steve oh, would be so proud. It, oh, I've said it a thousand times. So it's amazing how the walls come down and people realize, okay, I could do this. And But now what I've done in the last nine months is I've gone even deeper and I've challenged my team. As I've, I've, gone on the, I've gotten radical and extreme. And I've said, <laughs> I want to eradicate the word leader from everything. Everything, all across the church? No, not across the church. Oh, just with a small group ministry? Because I don't, I, don't I don't have that, that You're influence. not the king, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but for, for the small group ministry, I, I've, I've really wanted to get rid of the word leader for two reasons. One, because we, we've established it can t- intimidate people. Um, so even, even if you're using the word host and now you have an event and you're, you're talking about how to grow in leadership, you're, you're putting people on the fence. They're going, well, I don't know if I'm a leader or not. You, you might be un unintentionally creating walls for them throughout your process just because you keep using the word leader and leadership. The other thing is I think it is, I think it's becoming vague. Um, you know, if we just keep throwing around, well, we, we need more leaders and we need you to lead better and we need to grow in leadership. Well, that looks different for every department of right. the church. That looks different for every calling, every role, every ministry. And so what does it mean to be a leader. And so, so we've exchanged these for obviously hosts, but also disciples, disciple makers, um, instead of assistant leaders or apprentices, we're moving towards co-hosts. And as I've been doing this, I didn't realize that I was actually addicted to the word leader and <laughs> leadership. I was in bondage because I kept finding myself going to it. Um, almost, you know, like, like a, like a, like a blanket, like a kid with a, his blankie, you know what I mean? <laughs> And uh, it really can become this vague thing. I think about Disney and Subway. Disney calls their employees cast members. Right. uh, Because they want them to see themselves in a specific light. Subway calls their employees sandwich artists. Okay, that's a bit of a stretch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Granted, yes. If you've ever had a Subway sandwich, depending on the location, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, But I would say this. If they're going to that effort, uh, creativity and specificity with their language. I, I feel challenged to, to rethink my approach for the kingdom. 
Um, Which okay, so wow, let's let's unpack that a bit, and let me push uh, back uh, on you a, a bit on this because earlier in my ministry, for the same reason, because we wanted to lower the threshold. Um, of people, and people didn't know what a small group leader did. The ministry was so new. Um, I used to call them facilitators, which is in essence what a host would do. And so it's people who can lead a conversation, who can, you know, make uh, be hospitable, etc. So facilitators worked for us for a while, but then uh, we switched to leaders because uh, there's also this part about using language towards your desired outcome. So, for example, um, I recently read an article in Forbes magazine about how the power of words shapes our perspective and our attitude. So if you wanted to um, do something, instead of saying, I want to do it, um, to change that to I am or I will do it. So, for example, if you wanted to quit smoking, you instead of saying, I want to quit smoking, which is a noncommittal sort of thing, said they said, you know, recommended, you should say, I am quitting, or I, you know, basically identify yourself, or I want to exercise is doesn't have any teeth on it, but then when you say I will exercise, it actually changes your thinking and perspectives and gives you a vision for a preferred future. So when I changed the language from facilitator, which was kind of what they were doing, but then after our group started going for longer, we wanted them to move from being just a conversation facilitator to really shepherding people. And we didn't want to use the word shepherd because that is, um, in our, you know, Southern California culture, we have no idea what a shepherd is unless you're in rural parts or you've been around that or you're in church world a lot, which is not our world here either. Shepherd means very little. So then we were like shepherd leader. Then that was because we talk about sheep. So we tried to, to get rid of churchy language. So as yeah. we did that, we dropped the shepherd and it just became straight leader. And I do agree with you, Andrew. I think Lead, the word leader's gotten so diluted, um, and mis- no one really does know exactly what that means, so then we have to spell it out. But I do like the fact that by saying, hey, we see God doing this in you, we see you leading and shepherding and mentoring and discipling people, um, so we're going to call you to this preferred future to step up and be a leader. And for our culture, which has a lot of type A's, like that was a, a challenge that they wanted to rise to, with, rather than having a host felt um, somewhat too, like, I don't, I don't know. It wasn't enough of a challenge. They, it just didn't fly. It's weird. That's why I'm saying I think there's a cultural context, um, not just geographically, but also within our churches and our church culture. So the word leader seems to work better for us, but I could see why. But we work hard to uh, lower the bar. Well, yeah, and, and let me say this: none of what I'm saying here in this group talk is mosaic law. I don't. I'm not. Uh, you know, these are just these are just ideas. To, not from to, Mount Sinai. To, yeah, these, I just want to contribute to the conversation sure. and just thing. So for us, for right now, we in our host pathway. You know, when people start off, they're a host, and we have uh, we have a number of growth experiences. We we have a goal to bring them through as they're hosting a group as a new host. And what I've landed on for now, and this could change in a year or two, but I've landed on for now is our goal is to, is to help them grow from a host to a disciple maker. And so that used to be when I changed, I used to be from host to small group leader. Okay. You know, I went from leader to host, but I, my pathway still ended up as leader. So I've revised even that now. Now it's, I want to take you from being a new host to a disciple maker because I'm trying to be specific about where I want to get you. I want to get you to a point where you're making disciples. Right. Um, but, you know, 
is the word disciple too churchy? You know, so that could be something we could revisit down does the that road. Work, does that work for you? Has that worked for you? The, using disciple maker for for me for right now, I I'm enjoying it because I feel more specific when I when I when you talk about a preferred future, I feel like I'm being very specific. That yeah, we're going to teach you how to build community. We're going to teach you how to use curriculum. We're going to teach you what to do during the meeting, outside the meeting. But the end result is that you you are going to make disciples of Christ. And so when I'm able to say we're going to grow you into a disciple maker, I feel like I got a bullseye. I feel like I'm able to paint it. Well, that, uh, and that sh- makes sense if you if your your church is very clear on what a disciple maker is. And yes. yeah, disciples become one of the buzzwords in the last few years, as we know. Um, and that seems to define all kinds of uh, things as well. But I think if in your church environment there's been teaching series or there's something where people understand when they hear disciple maker, they know instantly that's someone, you know, who prays and shepherds and pours their yes. life and serves. I mean, if they have that in mind, then I think it's a great descriptive way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to me, there's, it, it, there's a lot of um, verbs there versus titles. Oh, okay. uh, let, let me throw a scripture verse out here. And again, not mosaic law. I'm not building a theology here. This is just to just the Bible know, according to Andrew. Thank you, thank you. Um, so this is Matthew 23, 10 and eleven. This is out of the complete Jewish Bible. Oh, another translation. Uh oh. Um, this is what this is the words of Jesus. He says, "Nor are you to let yourselves be called leaders." Uh oh. Again, we're not building a theology. Uh, nor, nor you let yourselves be called leaders because you have one leader and he is the Messiah. The greatest among you must be your servant. And so that just that verse stood out to me because I noticed that he was moving away from a title. Mm-hmm. And when I hear the word servant, I think of a verb. I think of serving. Right. And, and, he, and the context, remember the context of that was he was course correcting all these spiritual leaders in a, in a very confrontive matter. If you read the entire chapter of Matthew 23. And he, he's trying to get them to, to redo their priorities. And he's like, you know, you guys got to think more about serving than about your title. And again, this is not condemning the use of the no, word. No, no, not at all. No, but it's, it's really it's fascinating to think about. To think about. No, yeah. and, and I think um, I love that distinction you just drew, that it's about the function and yeah. not the title. I think that's where sometimes we get in trouble. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about some other terms. Uh, how do you feel about you know, while you're on the hot seat? How do you feel about coach or coaching? That's pretty pretty common out there. It's been around for gosh as long as I've been in small groups ministry. Um, we don't use that word. We use something else. But tell me about what do you think about that? And and so this 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 one I'm really excited to talk about. Um, I wish I could take credit for. It, but yeah, I, I've used coaching since I was in youth ministry doing small groups. I've used it probably for over a decade. I, I've written cur- curriculum with the word coach. Um, even when I got to my church here, I've only been here three years. I started out with the word coach and I just, I, I keep feeling like I'm hitting this wall on both sides. One, when I'm recruiting, when I'm saying, Hey, I'm looking for people to help coach group leaders. They're going, Oh, I can't be a coach. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm right. This. And then when I'm introducing someone say, Hey, this is going to be your coach. It, it does. It can be a negative hmm. because there, there's an, imp, there's, I'm implying that they need coaching. Now, it would be nice if everyone was healthy and everyone was humble <laughs> and we could all admit that we need coaching, but not everyone's there yet. Right. You know, I mean, it's easy for us because we're in, we're in ministry and we're constantly going to conferences and reading books. And yeah, I need to grow. I need coaching. We, we get that. But not everyone else. 
is excited about, oh, great, I got a coach assigned me. A lot of times, you know what people think? They just think they got big brother assigned to them. Right. They just think they they got someone to spy on them and make sure that they're not doing anything wrong. And when if a coach calls or a coach shows up to my group, uh-oh, everyone, but on your best behavior, the coach is here. <laughs> and, uh, and it can actually shut down communication. It can shut down engagement. And, and I've experienced that, not in every case, but in a lot of cases. And so uh, I was ta- we were talking about this in a huddle, in a small group network huddle, <laughs> our Sacramento huddle. Come on, and uh, and one of our awesome pastors there shared what they had recently done at their church that they had they had moved to the help desk. They called it the help desk instead of coaching. Oh, like Staples, yeah. Like, and they literally had the Staples button. But- <laughs> and, and so when I tried this, it was great because I told my new host, I said, hey, just so you know, we're, we're going to make available a help desk for you. We're going to have people assigned to you. And so if you get a call from the help desk, they're just calling to see if there's anything you need. Now, kind of indirectly, we're, we're still coaching them. Hey, right. how are you doing? The function is the same. <laughs> Yeah, how how can we pray for you? So they're still getting un, they're still getting under the radar coaching. They don't know it. It's a little Jedi mind trick, but <laughs> the, the the wall has been lowered. The, huh. the in their mind, they, oh, this is someone to help me. This isn't someone over me. This isn't someone in charge of me. This isn't a new lord of my life. Uh, <laughs> this is someone that's here to assist me and 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 offer help and support. And it really has changed the dynamic there. We haven't got it nailed down perfect. So I'm not sitting here saying we, we got the secret sauce, but it, I think it has moved the ball forward for me in this area as we're trying to build our infrastructure, which is a, which is a constant, you know, labor of love in small group ministry. That's true. Okay. So the help desk thing, I like it because I totally agree with you. I think um, it's much less threatening than coach, but okay. But what about the fact that if you're coaching kind of on the down low while calling it help desk, um, <laughs> what about like, calling them again to the preferred future of the higher bar of being discipled and knowing that they need um, discipling and they need shepherding. Like, is that, does that get lost? Do you think, are you concerned that that might get lost down the road? Well, one of the, I think for us, some of the big uh, obstacles we've had is with new hosts getting oh, okay. to a, a coach or what we would now call a help desk uh, person and so what happens if, if we don't ever make that connection and if that if we don't ever achieve engagement there, it's really hard to to overcome that down the road. And sure. so what we're focusing on is, is a new host. How do we get the fastest, most accelerated path to get connection with a help desk person that and hopefully everyone knows our context. When we talk about a coach, it's just someone that's that's helping uh, support the small group leaders. When you have more than 15 or 20 group leaders, right. you can't do it by yourself. You need a team of coaches or a help desk team. Um, Hopefully so not stuck in India somewhere and the yeah, help desk yeah. from IT. That's great. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's really for this new person that we're, we're trying to get them um, acclimated as fast as possible and trying to get their heart opened up as fast as possible so we don't have a mountain to overcome when we're six months in. They're still not connected to any, any part right. of our structure. That's that's really good. So it's it's really useful for that season. And um, if you are establishing a new coaching or help desk type structure, it's really good to heed what Andrew's saying about lowering that threshold. The, the faster they're connected with their helper, uh, yeah. the more likely they're going to stick and be fruitful and grow. And then that's going to keep them on that trajectory to continue on beyond host. Yeah, and here's what I would say, and obviously there's no magic words here, so I'm not saying everyone should do help desk. What I'm saying is if you're building your infrastructure 
any type of coaching infrastructure and you're are you're hitting uh, you know resistance you just you just might consider looking at your terminology and you just might consider uh, overhauling uh, some some of that language to give a fresh launch and a fresh vision for that infrastructure that that's all that's all I want to suggest and, and sure. encourage you Sure. Okay. Let's do another one. This is so fun. Okay. Another one. Training. Yes. Um, that word we all use. It's used yeah. a ton across the church, especially in small groups ministry. Um, any thoughts on how we could revamp that one? Yes. So I'll, I'll share some backstory here. So how many times, well, let's start with this. How many times, Carolyn, do we see the question, how do I get people to come out to my <laughs> yes on our on our small group um, network facebook page that's probably one of the most popular questions yes how do i get people out to training and and so even me when i when i came here to my my, my church i've been here three years i i had this issue is that i was i had this training event i was trying to do at the, at the beginning of the uh the new year as we were getting our, our groups ramped up and i i was getting you know a third to half of my my hosts out for my train, and I was calling them, you know, uh, small group training, small group leadership training, and I had it in there. And uh, so again, we have this thing; it, it can be a negative for people. Yes. Training now is very common in the workplace. Uh, it, it, it can be it can be associated with work. And so when you have someone there working 40, 50 hours a week, you say, "Hey, come to our Saturday training event." <laughs> It's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you might as well be one of the teachers from the Peanuts, I think. Right. Because it, and again, there's this negative connotation that, you know, you need to, you, you're not good enough. You need to get trained. That's how people can take it. I know it, we don't think like that in ministry. Right, right. Because it's so normal to us. But for when I say, you need to come to my training, um, people can take that as a negative. People sure. that, you know, aren't familiar with that type of culture of learning. And so what I've done, I've gotten radical. I said, guys, team, I need us to drop the word training. I want it eradicated. Okay. Don't use the word training. We just, we got, and again, I didn't realize how addicted I was to this word. <laughs> to the words leader, leadership. And it's really hard. You find yourself pausing in sentences. And so what we did is we had two training modules that we would take hosts through in our pathway. And so I've renamed those to, uh, to growth experiences. So oh, instead okay. of two training modules now, we have two growth experiences that we want to take our hosts through um, where we help them get connected to our help desk. See how this is all working together. Yes, so, yes it is. <laughs> and, and one of the growth experiences we did is we I did a one-day groups retreat. And so this was our old small group leadership training. But now it's an but, experience. <laughs> but now it's a growth experience, and specifically, it's called our one-day groups retreat. I went to a, a golf course off-site. Um, I brought in a guest speaker. Nice. We had free lunch. So we added some bells and whistles to sure. it. We changed the language. We said we're not training, no training, no training. This is a <laughs> this is a retreat. It's like you're going. It's like a spa experience. <laughs> But but we tried to have nice scenery. We tried to you know I did less training. We still I still did some of the training. I still was able to get my vision, my strategy in there sure, through different course. sessions. But we had a guest speaker, a fresh face, fresh voice, fresh name, fresh location, and I doubled my attendance. Yeah, that I can after see that. the previous years, and we had the majority of our group hosts came out to that event, and everyone when everyone saw everybody there, it was exciting. Exactly, people, people realized, man, we're doing this together. There was right. enthusiasm, and I'll tell you, we added some bells and whistles, but it started with changing the language and getting away from the word training. 
Okay, so I used to use the word training. I feel like I feel like we're in you know the support group for um, terminology addicted people, <laughs> um, and and I realize the same thing that nobody wants to come to. It just is loaded and it tends to be negative and boring. Um, and then I started feeding them really well, catering food in, um, and I called it a dinner gathering. Basically, nice. kind of like the experience, and the the emphasis then wasn't training so much was come here. Um, what come here and be encouraged, and yeah. so the subtitle was encouragement and equipping. Somehow equipping and investing, and so we use the language of in, we're, we want to invest in you, um, yes. and that was really helpful language because that really training really is basically investment in them, but yes. it didn't have the baggage. So it'd say come be you know invested in. Who doesn't want to be invested in? Eat well, you know, yes. get a gift. Here are senior pastor, here, you know, somebody else, here's, and then really the hook for them is as exactly as you said, Andrew, when they saw each other there, that synergy is then what caused them to come back to the next one, and our attendance went up considerably. Um, so I think, you know, if our stories are indicative, pretty much yeah. you have to do food, and you have to yes. call it, call it something that actually is closer to the real thing. Um, and it's, cause training sounds so dry. And really what you're asking them to share their stories, um, share their successes and, and failures. And then you get a little bit of vision casting and stuff mixed in there. But that was like such a big shift for me. Cause I, I'm like, whatever you call it, I know what it's going to be, but yeah. it mattered. The language really mattered. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're spot on. I love the dinner gathering. The other growth uh, experience we do, we call it a host rally. Oh, so rally. Yes. again, it's, it's, we're, we're doing training, but we, we don't, we can't mention it. Even when we get to the training part, I'd say, don't say the word training. <laughs> <laughs> you have like a, like a cuss jar where you put in a yes. dollar if, if your team says yeah. training or leader or any of yes. these words. <laughs> And so those are just some things that have worked for us. Again, it's going to be different for every context. You might already have momentum with those words, so it could be a different area. But in these in these areas where I have felt resistance, it has helped to relaunch them by by changing some of the language up. That's a really good word. And um, we're almost out of time, but I did want to also mention this. If you're a part of a church that really has common language and that's a high value, then when you change up the language, Andrew has a lot of autonomy, it seems like. He can change language. Um, but if you want to get alignment across the church, and we know how important alignment is with the greater vision for the church and for the small group ministry to flourish, you're going to need to have alignment with leadership. Um, and so... I think that is helpful, too. So if you're going to change something, say you, you're no longer going to call them small groups, you're going to call them community groups or whatever that is, um, if possible, have that be across the board. Um, an example of this, we recently did this where our middle school small groups uh, used to be called praxis groups because they were just about praxis and blah, blah, blah. It was kind of their thing. Um, and then our high school groups, and you'll laugh because you mentioned the whole cell thing with the terrace, used to be called um, ISIs. Well, when you spell out, which is iron sharpening iron, which is a fabulous verse for accountability and for high school groups, and for years it was called ISIs. Except once now, unfortunately, the, the era in which we live, it spells ISIS. Yes. Um, and so when, when my daughter was trying to invite her friend to come to an ISI group, they're like, what? ISIS? What? Where, am I, where are you inviting me? Um, yeah. So they had to drop it, uh, but now we've said, you know what? Basically, these groups are doing the exact same thing that the adult small groups are doing. Um, yeah. and we're call- we've been calling them small groups for, t- for seven years now. So let's yeah. just call them all middle school small groups, high school small groups, you know, adult small groups. So the idea is whatever word you use, it's helpful to the audience 
And yes. the congregation, if it's consistent across the board, then people know what it is, and it helps our ministry. Yeah, no, it's, it's, there's got to be a common language. That's, that's a culture thing. You know, it, you think of the Tower of Babel, even though they were, their, their motive was wrong, the Bible says they were, they were all speaking the same language. And they were so productive that, that God had to create a language barrier because their, their motive was wrong. Their assignment was wrong. They were doing it in rebellion to God. But the unity was because they all spoke the same language. I can tell a funny story. Um, when I was at another church, we had a brand new kids ministries director, and uh, she was awesome. But this was her first time. So she came in. She said, hey, this is my new name for the ministry. What do you think? <laughs> it was Kingdom Kids Connection. And she spelled oh, no. She spelled connection with a K for for the the consistency. Oh, I go, no. that's great. I go for short. You could call it KKK. Oh, my and her eyes got so big, and she goes, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much. That would have been so embarrassing." And so that obviously got revised. That's hilarious. <laughs> but that's exactly what we're talking about. That to be, I think we're both saying really the same thing. And I've I've loved this conversation. Is basically be intentional and yes. be aware of yep. the impact that the language you're using. And um, you wrote a blog article about this that covers some of these points, and you called it, you know, we need to have terminology discipline. Um, yeah. And I like that, because it really is, because it takes actually more thought and creativity to come up with, what are we really saying this is? What do we really want? What is the preferred future? And how can we lower the bar towards that? So I think for those of us who love words, this is really helpful, but it actually really does move the kingdom forward. It's not just about branding. Um, it's so much deeper than that, and I hope that that's what um, you know our, our listeners have picked up on. So, final thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, just just going back to what we talked about, you know, Jesus Jesus chose language that would relate to people and make the kingdom and his message accessible mm. to to the greatest ability, and that's the heart behind the heart behind it uh, is just making the kingdom as accessible as possible, so that that we can help people grow. That's it at the end of the day. It's, it's not about being fancy. It's not about trying to be cool. If you already got critical mass with certain terminology, by all means, don't, don't you know, try to break everything. But again, if there's areas where you're finding resistance, you may look at that and consider that as a way to move the ball forward. Right. And you might want to change your nomenclature. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Andrew. Um, God bless you and your ministry. And you can find Andrew on his website and blog at smallgroupchurches.com. Um, and you are also um, free to interact with him. He's pretty active on our Facebook page for Small Group Network. And if you're in Northern California, he's your guy for huddles. And they have great huddles. You guys have had some fun times together um, when you post them. A lot of traction there. And you started that when there wasn't any huddles at all. It was like three of you. Yes. Yeah. There's the hand. There's just there was a handful of people sending emails, but there wasn't there wasn't a lot of activity. But yeah, now we have a handful of huddles across the North California region. We have some great uh, huddle leaders. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what can be one of those words? Well, let, we'll just see if you want to start changing small group network words. Well, thank you so much. Um, this was, this was really fun. Well, thank you all for listening to Group Talk. If you like what you hear, please leave us a positive rating on iTunes, which helps other small group ministry leaders find us. So we'll see you next time. God bless. 
Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes so you can get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, please rate the podcast and leave comments so other small group ministry leaders can easily find us. To connect with a small group network huddle in your local area, read our blog, join us on Facebook, or access additional resources. Visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Remember to use the hashtag when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.